1: One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.
0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.
1: Mixed Martial Arts. Mixed Martial Arts. UFC. 269 starts now whoa no it doesn't
2: the preview show starts oh, now you a well, preview show. I'm just oh, so
1: excited right
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that, that was very Ron Perlman of you e Casey Laden but uh, ladies and gentlemen tomorrow night UFC 269 the final UFC pay-per-view event of the year and it's a good one we got two title fights as you can see on your screen right there or did see on your screen a (laughs) fascinating main event for the lightweight championship of the world a really good main card some excellent prelims a lot to like for sure as we welcome you to the live UFC 269 preview show on MMAfighting.com and if you're watching or listening in the future welcome I am Mike Heck. we got a crew with us first one half of the BTL championship matchup next week. Picked up a couple of victories and he is back in the finals for the vacant strap to face Phoenix Carnivale. Gets the matchup he wants, Mr. No Gray Area himself, Mr. Jed Mishu. Hello, sir.
3: I'm so glad for you to say it like that, Mike, because this is the matchup I wanted and I'm feeling so good. We're not here to talk BTL, but Phoenix has looked beatable. Let's just say Phoenix has looked beatable thus far. I'm feeling, I am feeling like Dustin Boyer, about to be a champion.
2: All right. And on the ones and twos, the baddest stash in MMA media, E. Casey Lydon. Hello again, my
1: friend. It is, uh, has not been very long. How are you? Doing wonderful, sir. Doing wonderful. So doing wonderful. Happy to talk mixed martial arts, the best type of martial arts. So we mix them up. That's what we're talking about. That's right. I'm having a great time throw them in the blender
2: let's 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 (laughs) throw all those martial arts in the blender but like i said there is a, a lot to like about this card but let's start with the main event jed we'll start with you charles Oliveira defends the ufc lightweight title for the first time against the clear top contender the number one ranked 155er on mma fighting's global rankings dustin poirier and i was thinking about this yesterday it's been a really interesting year for both guys and what makes this fight so interesting jed both guys in their own ways they have bet on themselves over the last 18 months or so right because lest we forget dustin poirier remember he was he was supposed to fight tony ferguson in october of last year and then poirier told Ariel hawani that he couldn't come to terms on the pay that he wanted that he felt he deserved, so he just didn't fight. And then Conor McGregor comes a-calling for a charity boxing match. They end up fighting in the Octagon in January. Poirier gets the win. Then he could have fought for the title. He says, no, I'll fight Conor again. Make that bag, son. He wins again. And then Oliveira fights Tony Ferguson a year ago, dominates him, and then the UFC wanted to book a fight between him and Michael Chandler, not for the title. During that time when Khabib Murmagomedov had clearly retired, but Dana White was not willing to accept that Habib had retired, so he's trying to lure him back in. It was decision, decision, decision. All that silliness is going on. Anyways, Olivera says, no, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to wait for the title shot. Everyone thought he was crazy. He gets Chandler for the title in May, stops him, and now he's the champion. So we have two guys, Jed, top of their games, and I know that destiny is a cliche word in the sports world, but both guys consider this a destiny fight. And for some reason, Jed Mishu, it seems poetic with this matchup. What say you, your thoughts on this main event for maybe the toughest title to win in all of mixed martial arts right now?
3: It is. I don't think there's a maybe about it. Unless unless you want to have the argument of, which we'll probably talk about in a moment, about you know beating Amanda Nunes is the most difficult thing to do in mixed martial arts. Winning the lightweight belt, uh, I I know Casey is a big believer that Bantamweight is the best division in the sport. I'm not going to fight him on it. I I disagree. But Bantamweight, as muddied and and awful as that title picture is, is still a damn sight easier to get to a title shot there than it is at 155. You've got to put nine people down in a row, basically, or be Conor McGregor. Those are the only options. Um, When you went through that, man, that was how different life could be if Dana White was a reasonable person? Like if Dana had just <laughs> accepted the me being retired, like everyone knew because of the one person who's not going to like go back on their word for money in the history of the sport is a beam. And if he could have just accepted it, Poirier would have fought McGregor for the lightweight title and nobody would have really been that upset by it. And then Poirier would be the champion. So for me, you know, poetic, whatever. I, I don't know about any of that. I, I like that I like both these dudes. They are two of the best lightweights in the world. I think the best one is is competing this weekend. Um, and you know, Charles Oliveira's in the top three or four. Um, and so that's great. But for me, the, the big thing about this weekend is we we now get a, a legit lightweight champion in my eyes. Um, That is not meant to be disrespectful towards Charles Oliveira, though I know it is and I'm cool with it. But you were the number three ranked guy in the world and you beat the number four ranked guy in the world. By definition, you are not the top guy. You just stay at number three. There were two guys ranked ahead of you, but because plans and the UFC's jewelry – Collection kind of didn't fit that that scheme, you got gifted the bell. For me, poirier has been the the uncrowned champion since Habib left. I think many feel that way. Certainly, all our panelists put him, or not all, somebody, somebody gives mm. gives Chucky Alex the two Two people do. Oh, good for you guys. Contrarian little hearts. Good for you. Um, <laughs> but Dustin Poirier is the top guy. He has been since Habib retired. Um, and so this weekend we we get a real lightweight champion, either Poirier delivers or if Oliveira beats him, then he, he did finally beat the top guy and will be in my eyes, a just and deserving champion.
2: All right. You, You, a lot, you just said there that I want to unpack, but I want to go to Casey and get his thoughts on just the matchup itself, because I think you view this one a little bit differently than Jed does. I think you view Charles Oliveira a little, a little differently than Jed does. But just your thoughts on, on this fight because there's two where really there's really no gray area here. You either think this is like an okay fight or you think it's a terrific fight. What do you think? No gray
3: area. No gray area, you saying like I specialize in that.
1: <laughs> I, I love I I absolutely love this fight. Um I love this fight because it's you know, go back one moment to the rankings. Me and Jed we're actually the same in our in our individual rankings. Not not when we not when we added everyone's up, but you and me actually have uh, the champ number three. Yeah, we have. We both have. We both have Poirier number one, Gaethje number two, Oliver number three. But I understand the way things work, and I will concede that the winner, if Charles Oliver obviously wins, he will be the best lightweight in the world. So I do believe this is for the true number one lightweight in the world, not just the championship belt, but the actual the best lightweight the the best lightweight will come out after whoever whoever wins sorry um so this is super exciting um i love the road that both fighters took to get here i think oh, what? Oliveira has eight eight losses like i mean I, I'm, I'm not even sure like is this the most combined ufc losses it's got to be up there most combined ufc losses for a title fight um with i think uh he's got like seven losses in the ufc uh, Oliver's got eight or something like that. It's just uh but but Make they it. both earned it. They they took their lumps. There there were many times in their careers that media fans were like, Hey, you know, they had a good run, they're good fighters, but they're not, you know, the best. But you know what? They are the they are the best. They're gonna fight to decide who's the best. And for a main event end of the year pay per view, this is fantastic. I love it.
2: It's a really good fight. Poirier, the favorite as the challenger, minus 140, according to DraftKings. Seeing Charles Oliveira at underdog money the way he has fought recently, that's got to be tempting for those looking for some action on this one, Jed. And you've been very high on Dustin Poirier. You just talked about it. Not quite as high on Oliveira. You're not a fan of the vacant title fight with Michael Chandler, as you stated. Of course, Justin Gaethje is on deck for the winner. There's a legacy conversation attached to this fight too, Jed. And what I mean by that is it's more of a who needs this one more because Poirier has climbed that mountain. He's gotten very, very close. Interim title, that was a very big deal for him, but he wants the undisputed title. He wants to check that box off before he calls it a career. He's had his chance before. He just happened to run into Habib Nurmagomedov, who might just be the greatest fighter of all time. And Oliveira is the champion. But some folks like yourself... Question it, saying that he didn't beat the best light weight in the world at the time, and you've said many times, just said it again. He probably shouldn't even have been in that fight for the vacant title in the first place. So, with all that being said, Jed, we got Poirier second bid at undisputed gold. Oliveira looking to cement his place. Who needs this win more, Oliveira or
3: Poirier? Oliveira. Um... Who wants it more? I think is a is an interesting question. Who who needs it to me is pretty clearly Oliveira. He will forever be known as UFC champion. By but but that's like I said. I'm not trying to bag on Chucky e. Olive's. I really like him. I really liked the fight with Michael Chandler. I just didn't like that it was for a belt when it obviously should not have been. And so I feel like he is a victim of circumstance and sort of the way I view the sport and the way I view the world. He's just he is the the weakest of the current UFC champions in claim to the title. And that includes Al Jermaine Sterling, who I know a lot of other people will disagree that point with me. He just, he didn't beat the top guy and this is his chance to do it. And if he does, if he wins this one, not only will it open up a world of future opportunity, as far as Conor McGregor is going to come back, we can all pretend like this sports meritocracy, but when he comes back next year, you know, that's a that's a money fight that uh, that Oliveira can get. And he will just be legitimized to everybody because I'm I am not the only person who thinks this about Charles Oliveira. Wikipedia and the history books will say he's a champion, but he really needs this one. Whereas Poirier Poirier is he's one of those dudes who's just everybody's favorite fighter. He has accomplished a tremendous amount outside of the cage that honestly will outstrip his legacy inside the cage, I think. Kind of for a long time. You know, he won the Forrest Griffin Community Service or however, th- it's not called the Community Service Award, but that's functionally what it is. Um, he's got all these business endeavors. He's doing a bunch of things. He This would be the cherry on top to a Hall of Fame career, but I don't necessarily, th- if he doesn't, if he does lose this weekend, I think, you know, it, it will not really be backbreaking for his legacy. Whereas if Oliver loses this weekend, I, I think it's pretty tough for him.
2: Do you agree with that, Casey? Because Dustin Poirier has talked for a long time, and you saw it even heading into the Habib fight and even that emotional post-fight interview with John Anik, like what that opportunity meant for him, what that loss meant to him, the way he's been able to bounce back. He's talked about that loss to Habib many times in regards to this road back to getting to a title fight. And, you know, it was always like 25 minutes to make life fair. This, I believe, was 25 minutes for to, 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 to make it for destiny for my destiny to become a the really world champion wants to check that box off tremendous quote really good quote can you make an can you make an argument that dustin poirier needs to win this fight more than charles Oliveira does
1: no uh, <laughs> <laughs> um i admire dustin poirier a lot for his his work outside of the cage what he does for his charity work he just seems like a good dude i remember watching fightville before when he was still in the wc uh, the documentary is in, I believe it's on Netflix. Please watch it. It's a great documentary, and I can't believe they actually <laughs> did a documentary on Dustin Poirier of all, like, of all the thousands of, you know, rando, you know, regional fighters. They picked Dustin Poirier, so kudos to those <laughs> docu- documentarians. But, no, Oliveira clear uh, to me, clearly needs this more. Um, just I mean, just look at the the press conference yesterday. Every time Dustin said anything the crowd's yeah charles Alvarez says something it's like well he's a champ you know respect charles alvaro like i think he even said previously he's still not he still hasn't made bank yet he needs to win this fight so he's not the paper champ so he's the real champ and then his next fight it could be that Conor McGregor, it could be a justin gauge it will probably Justin Gaethje. um <laughs> it will then the big money fights will happen if he loses this it's going to be a long road back because, he, honestly, he just doesn't move the needle like the UFC wants their champions to do. Dustin, um, Dustin Poirier does. But why I feel it's so much more important for Oliveira is, like, Dustin Poirier, he chose the money fight. This belt is cool. Yeah, he wants it. But Dustin, Dustin made a choice. He couldn't have title fight, but he chose the money fight with Conor McGregor. So for him, yeah, again, the belt's cool. I mean, he, he can say these great quotes. I, I believe it. They sound good. But I think Dustin realizes maybe maybe fifteen I mean five years ago or so he'd be different. But I think now he's like, no, nah, I, I need that bank account. You know, I got I got kids, I got a family. That's what's most important. So winning the belt is important for Dustin because it makes a lot of money. But I think for Oliveira, it's it's just more important.
2: I think it is gigantic for both guys. Okay, I think I mean, Corey, it's both, it's, the yeah, they're, yeah. They're, I I no, I mean obviously, obviously, obviously. obviously yeah. Well, I know, but I mean, for more than that, like I. I, think there, I, I'm, I don't think it's that clear. I think it's like 52-48. I do feel like Oliveira needs this one more for a lot of the reasons that you said. But I think the competitor in Dustin Poirier, the guy who has this like mental mantle inside with all these accolades and awards. If he doesn't have an undisputed title on that, accol- on that mantle, I think it's going to bother him. Like, I think it will bother him. Mm for the rest of his life. I, I think there's a piece of him that's going to regret. Not like, I think it's just going to bother him. Like, damn, I was so close twice. Like, I think there's a piece of him. That's going to be like, I can't believe I didn't win the title. Like, I think but there's going to be a little emptiness there now.
1: Obviously but he, but he'll be, but he'll wipe the tears away of money. Of so course.
2: Everyone, yeah. Yes. He can, he can get in his, in his Lamborghini, put the top down, ride in the Louisiana wind and drive the tears off. But I do feel like Oliveira needs this one more because Poirier If you look at it from a I'm a success in the bank account sense, yeah, he's got the personal goal of being a world champion. And a loss sucks, but he's still a draw. He still has big fights he can get. He could fight Conor again and make a lot of money. He could go fight Nate Diaz. He could go fight Colby Covington if he wanted to. And those would all be big fights. And Oliveira, yes, if he loses, good Lord. I mean, that's going to be a very long road to get back to another title fight. And there aren't a lot of big box office fights out there for him right now so very interesting stakes outside of just championships jed you're picking dustin poirier how does he get it done
3: uh also just to tack on to what you said if boy loses he can go to welterweight immediately and he's out sure. worst two fights away from a title shot on usman like we've seen a i mean ha- hell half of the current welterweight rankings are blown up lightweights and he's better than all of the when they were lightweight so I'm sure that will translate upward um, so he's got plenty of opportunity if he loses this one but he's not going to Mike he is going to win this one I think it's really uh, is a great fight on paper like I said I, these are two of the three best fighters in the world at this division maybe four because I think Isla Makachev probably is the actual best lightweight in the world right now uh, he just hasn't been able to prove it yet but that's coming um, but it's it's an intriguing style matchup because both guys can do everything. Um, you know if Oliver can get, I, I think the clinch is what matters in this fight. Uh, at range, I think Poye is a much better range boxer. Um, particularly his defense, his ability to work off the shoulder roll and counter. I think that'll give if Charles Oliver problems. Um, but in the interior, that's where I think this fight is won and lost because for me. Uh, If Oliveira is going to win this fight, he is going to have to get takedowns. And if he can, uh, then that will make this very interesting. Poirier is a very competent defensive grappler. He was able to stave off Habib for a while before just eventually succumbing. And I think Habib's a better top position grappler grappler than Oliveira. But, you know, Oliveira also just sunned up Tony Ferguson. So uh, if he can get on top consistently, bad, bad night for Poirier. I don't think he can do it at range, but he may be able to do it from the clinch. We saw some clinch takedowns against Tony Ferguson. But Poirier is sneaky good in the clinch with working collar ties, you know, hitting the body, moving. I just don't think Oliveira can consistently build offense that's going to matter. And all the while, I think Poirier is going to be working the jab. And I think he's a much more dangerous striker outside of just being a better technician. Uh, he Oliveira can hurt you on the feet, but Poirier can really hurt you and it can come very quickly and and not with like a loaded up power shot just something something small and sneaky so i think uh we i don't want to get into this because it feels like a lot of people have talked about it and it really is going to make me seem like i'm bagging on Oliveira. i think that the narrative that he has some quit in him is not unfounded though it's not like deterministic of who he is as a fighter but there has been a history of him not reacting super well when when things go poorly. Um, obviously, Michael Chandler was in the face of this, but I, I'm not I'm not sold. Like that's just gonna be with you forever. I mean, hell, that followed GSP literally his entire career because he tapped to strikes when he was getting his ass beat by Matt Sarah, and that sort of stink doesn't rub off. And for better or worse, there's some smoke to that fire. And so we've seen Dustin Poirier go toe to toe with some of the toughest, roughest dudes in the world, and come out, you know, smelling like roses. And I, I just don't know that Oliver can, can go to battle like that. So I'm, I'm taking Poirier by KO, middle, you know, third third round or later.
1: Casey, what say you? Um, yeah, I pretty much agree with everything um Judd said, honestly. Uh uh yeah, I'm picking uh Dustin uh mid KO, middle rounds, um late second, early third, uh, third round maybe. But um yeah, for me, uh I, I w- the idea that you no know, Charles uh has him quitting him, I don't I don't want to go that far, but I just I just believe durability is just such a so important at this level of the game. And Dustin is just durable as all heck. And um, Oliver just doesn't have it. He's just not that durable of a fighter, unfortunately. And I know we have the Chandler fight, but fresh my memory, did Chandler, did he go for a a, a, kind of a guillotine or some sort of takedown when he had him hurt?
3: He followed him All down there. to the ground, instead of just standing up. And yeah, he went him. to the he went to the ground. I that's would what would be the champion if he had any. That's any what it fight. was. That's
1: what it, okay. I was trying to remember exactly. I remember watching that fight. It's like, oh my god, Chandler, what are you doing? You know, like what, Yeah, but um, and it, Chandler would be the champ if he didn't make that mistake. I feel that. Do you agree? Yep. If, okay. Oh, for sure, for sure, okay. for sure. Yeah, okay, it was
3: super yeah. dumb
1: watching.
3: It was like, oh, he's. This is awful. You yeah. should definitely go grapple with Charles Oliveira. Yeah, that's yeah. A yeah. Awesome even even even
1: even like ninety percent concussed Oliveira yeah. was still a bad idea. It's just um, the worst thing you do. Yeah, worst thing you do. So and, and that's kind. of, I feel like that's in my head. That's why I just can't have Charles, Charles Oliveira. I just can't think of him as the best lightweight in the world because he, he benefited from some, I guess, just some brain farts from his opponents. But dustin is just he's at his prime right now he's tough he's such a better boxer he's a smart boxer like he box from range like you said he's a real he's real sneaky inside and um yeah he has power shots everything and i think he's the complete package we've seen dustin kind of grow into this fighter which is very awesome like he didn't he he definitely didn't come into the ufc as a complete product and it's been fun watching him grow and um uh, i think uh tomorrow night is gonna just be a great night for him and um unless Oliver can sneak it get a sneaky one in there and get on top of him now if Oliver does get on top of Dustin especially early in the fight yeah it it could be bad news for Dustin but anything can happen Dustin I mean Oliver is that that good if he does get the top position but I I just believe Dustin Poirier um he's aware of that and it won't happen and he will he will win the fight pretty convincingly and, and it sucks because I say that. Because like I said, I'm not trying to bag on Chucky Chuck e. Olives because Chucky e. yeah. e. Olives is clearly a great lightweight. It's just I think there's a greater lightweight across the cage from him.
2: Yes. Um, I will go with Dustin Poirier in a little bit of a different way than you two gentlemen. I think he either wins this one by decision or a late stoppage. Oliveira as both of you have just said, has a very, very good chance to win this fight. And if he does, he will do it early on. But I feel like Poirier will overcome. He will turn things around in the third round, maybe late third, get some momentum, and then at worst, he leaves the judges with a very nice impression at the end of 25 minutes. But I'm predicting that we will see that battle that most hoped to see when this fight was just looking at it on paper. So I think Poirier wins. I think it's closer than a lot of people give it credit for. I think is going to have his moments. I think Poirier fans are going to be a little worried early on in the fight, but I think Poirier will will succumb or, or overcome that and, and walk out with the title around his waist. Now, oh, the co-main event...
1: Real quick, before go we go... Ahead. Just, yeah, I know Oliveira has had so many fights in the UFC. Is Chandler... Excuse me, is Chandler really his first kind of back and forth victory? Like, or I, I seem to remember all of all the various fights. Like, it's kind of once he kind of takes control, it's kind of one way traffic.
3: Yeah, honestly, I don't remember, I don't ever remember him overcoming, um, like really? super hardship, which you know, I, I didn't. I almost jumped in when you were previously talking, Casey. It's okay to just say the real reason. Uh, Charles Oliver's best win is over Michael Chandler, who sucks. So, uh, <laughs> Michael Chandler doesn't suck anymore. The fight with Justin Ga- Gaethje makes me think that he is
0: acceptable.
2: <laughs> All right, I guess I guess acceptable is uh, is what we strive for when we get up
0: in the morning. Support for this podcast comes from Smart Water. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up?
2: but let's go to the uh, to the co-main event speaking of acceptable in a lot of people's minds cuz this fight seems like a much different story than the main event. Amanda Nunes back to 135, she defends her bantamweight title for the first time in 2 years against Juliana Peña and kudos to Juliana Peña, right? She talked herself into this fight, she cut some good promos on Nunes. Did the media rounds, I think it was uh, with Ariel at one point, and it was just a a real fire interview, and I think that interview got her the fight. She wanted it, and regardless of how people view her chances, especially the odds makers, she demanded this fight with the greatest fighter of all time, and she got it. So, Jed, we don't really like asking these types of questions, but it is sports, and the UFC is a big deal, so we have to. This is... This is the Patriots playing the Falcons right now, right? While it would be very unlikely for the Falcons to beat the Patriots, look, you play the game, maybe something shocking happens. Now, hold on. It was a shutout when we played on Thursday Night Football, first of all. Oh, yeah. Super Bowl. We don't need to rehash what happened in the Super Bowl. Now, I have to bring this up because I, I forgot about it until about an hour ago. On Between the Links last week, you picked Juliana Pena to become the new UFC Bantamweight champion. Are you going to right now in front of almost 1,000 people watching right now, are you going to stand by that prediction right here, right now? That Juliana Pena, when it's all said and done, Bruce Buffer will be calling for her as the brand new UFC women's Bantamweight champion?
3: I can't. You. How long have you worked with me, Mike, to ask me that question? If I say something... Even if I didn't believe it right up until the moment I said it, as soon as I say it, I believe it with all of my might. Juliana Pena is going to become the UFC women's bantamweight champion this weekend. If it wasn't an ethical liability, I would put money on it. Um, also, I don't live in a state where gambling is legal. <laughs> um, but I got I got two main reasons why, okay? Here's, here's And the UFC isn't even selling this as a realistic possibility because it's – It's not. And I get it. I get that it is not a thing that should happen. But one, when we watch this sport, one of the big things that people always hang their hat on is anything can happen. It's four-ounce gloves. Well, I don't think that that's true in this case, because Juliana Pena has never struck me as someone who really has a lot of power in her punches and is going to, like, one-shot Amanda Nunes. I just don't think that's the case. But what I do think is the case is two very important factors. One – Juliana Pena, for her many, many faults, and she has a lot of them uh, as a fighter, she can grapple decently. She is not the world's greatest grappler, but she is a committed wrestler. There aren't that many of them in this division, and what she wants to do is drag you into deep waters, sit on you, and work you over on top. Amanda Nunes has been in this sport a long time, and it's hard to say that she has a weakness at this juncture of our lives, But where we have seen her struggle, even if it was years past, is when she is stuck into those kind of exhausting, grappling-heavy fights. Um, Jermaine Duran to me, great kickboxer, succeeded very effectively there, but they also spent a lot of time clinching and kind of going back and forth, and that fight was a lot closer just because where Nunez is the most dangerous is at range where she can uncork those big shots or if she gets on top. So I think Pena can ugly this fight up. That's what she has to do. And I think that she does have the tools to do it. And the second and the biggest reason you should believe that Julian Pena is going to win is because isn't it, doesn't that just make the most sense right now? Like, isn't that the thing that happens at this point in the sport? 2021 has been an unbelievable year for like feel good stories This is – MMA, we all love it. It's one of the worst sports possible for feeling good. All you do is watch your hero get old and die at the hands of people who you don't like, and they're young and look shitty. So it's like that is what we get time in and time out. We get – or we get Chuck Liddell coming out of retirement at 55 to get knocked out by Tito. Like that's the type of stuff that happens in this sport. It's not happy, feel-good stories. But somehow this year – Charles Oliveira is a UFC champion, the latest person to ever be a UFC champion in their career. Dustin Poirier got paid twice and beat the bad guy twice in dominant, horrific fashion in the second one. And he's about to be a champion. Glover Teixeira is 41 and obviously not as good as he was like seven years ago when he challenged for the title. And yet he is our champion taking it from Jan Blah, who's somehow a champion <laughs> we're getting, and Anderson Silva at 50 years old becomes like a really good pro boxer. Like this is, he beats a former world champion in boxing 2021 has been nothing but feel good stories in this sport. It's good. We deserved it. Cause 2020 sucked. So, hell yeah, let's do it. But the way that it caps off is that this sport and the gods that run it remind us nobody is safe. Everything, everything is fleeting. And you should cherish your heroes while you have them because they might, the greatest of all time, ostensibly in the prime of her career, might just go haul off and lose to Juliana freaking Payne. And that's (laughs) what was going to happen. I I see the tea leaves. This is it. And Juliana Payne is just... the. Can you think – you guys probably won't say it because you're not as outspokenly rude as I am about <laughs> fighters. I can't think of a worse person in this division to have the belt than Juliana Pena. And yet, she has a real chance to do it, and so I th- that's why I think it's going to happen, man. Like I've, It would be the most MMA thing possible in this year to happen, and and so we're just going to have to grapple with it.
2: I mean, you got a, th- a sound effect in there after that speech. I mean, that was that was amazing. Some clapping, some horns, something, Casey. Come on. Uh, what do we got here? Let's go. Uh...
1: No. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, for Bill Ghost Toys, you forgot one. Freaking Fedor. Don't forget about Fedor being 2,000 years old, knocking out Tim Johnson in the first 30 seconds. So, I did. Yeah. Well,
3: see, Brandon Moreno?
1: Yeah.
2: Brandon Moreno is probably obvious, the feel-good story of the year. Yeah. I mean, good lord, Casey. Your thoughts on this on this co-main event? <laughs> <laughs>
1: 2020 sucked, but in 2020, Amanda Nunes fought a recently retired fight a recently retired fighter named Felicia Spencer. I picked Felicia Spencer to win that fight. I thought Felicia Spencer was going to be able to outgrapple Amanda Nunes. Being the bigger fighter, hold her down, tie her out, keep a man on her back, and was gonna win a dominant unanimous decision. Ugly, but she was gonna win. It was the wrong year. Clearly, it was 2021, and not, it's not Felicia Spencer, it's Julia, Juliana Pena. She will do that, she will grind and make this fight so freaking ugly that all 18,000 drunken Vegas T Mobile fans will be booing mercilessly. mercilessly whatever <laughs> at that fight and she will walk away with the bantamweight championship that's what will happen it will happen probably not though um uh, most likely <laughs> that that is that, that, that okay if julia Pena does wins that is the path to victory uh it's a very skinny path like a plank maybe uh <laughs> a wobbly plank lots of cracks in it like mind. a. but uh <laughs> But uh I mean I believe Julia Pena she she earned she earned this fight. She was the right she's the rightful person to uh, uh be Amanda Nunes' next contender. Um unless Amanda Nunes to me unless she just gets old or just not inspired anymore, she should win this fight. Um the Amanda Nunes of 5 6 years ago could have lost to Peña, the, the same one that got lost to Sarah DiElio, that lost to Kat Singano, that got finished by Alexis Davis. That Amanda Nunes could lose to Julia Peña. I don't think that Amanda Nunes exists anymore. I think we do have the GOAT version of Amanda Nunes, and um, I don't think it's going to be as one-sided as people think it's going to be, but uh, Amanda Nunes hits really hard, and Julia Peña just doesn't... I just don't think she has the the striking defense to get to stop it. But I love I love this fan. I love this story that Jed sells. It's, it's a great story. It's going to be really exciting if it does happen.
3: <laughs> if it happens, y'all are never going to hear me shut up.
1: Oh, I'll uh-huh. be so excited because I was so off yeah. in the Felicia Spencer fight that – I was I was com- I was I wasn't convinced, but I was like Felicia Spencer got a really good chance. I don't know why she's such a big underdog, and then like oh, the fight happens, like dang it. <laughs> but
3: the um weird issue though is if Felicia Spencer is too like good and smart of a person. Like yeah. she's someone that w- her winning would be a, a good thing in the world, yeah. <laughs> even if it came at the expense of Amanda Nudea's second yeah. belt. There's literally no benefit to Julian Pena taking the title. Oh,
1: it's it's, at gonna, all. Be, it's gonna be such hell. It's gonna be just. It's gonna be, oh I, it's mean, gonna be- I don't necessarily a-
2: agree with that. I mean, it might take some time, but at least it freshens things up like I talked to Aspen Ladd mm-hmm. and I asked,'ll be her exciting about this. it'll be
1: exciting that's for sure
2: <laughs> yeah she she basically said like yeah, it's awesome that the things that the division will shake up that's great, but she basically said like if you're juliana Pena, like you can't beat Amanda once, you have to beat her twice." because oh, they're yeah. just going to run that thing right back. So it's not like it's not like you could savor the flavor and move on and change the division. You have to fight her and beat her again. So that sounds like hell to me. But like I said on the weigh-in show, I'm not going to say Juliana Pena has no chance. But for her to win, if she... The way I see this fight playing out, if she wins the title, this might be the most earned title win in UFC history because she is gonna have to overcome a lot of punishment i mean a vicious vicious beating for the likes of which we may have never seen before in the ufc if she can survive if she can survive a 12 to 15 minute thrashing even if it's like 10 8 rounds in all of them which it very well could be that way if juliana panning gets to round four she's got a chance if she can get that far She's got a chance, but she is going to have to, she's going to be wearing it the entire time. I just don't see it happening. I think she'll give it her all. She'll try to jump right into the fire. But as Lauren Murphy so eloquently put it after her loss to Valentina Shevchenko, being tough is just not the best strategy against fighters at the elite of elite level. So Nunez, second round finish for me. That's it. I mean, I, I, no disrespect. I'm not trying to dump on Pena. I think she's going to go in there and give it her best. And she's going to try to fight fire with fire, but she's going to lose and she's going to get stopped in the second round. If she wins, what a story it
3: would be. I want to say this just because I don't think we say it enough about like long reigning champions, particularly. Um, And I have been directly bagging on Juliana Pena and I do not take back a single word of that (laughs) Uh, doing it is. It is still the, for my money, defending a title remain like a, a title in the UFC remains the most difficult thing maybe in all of sports and certainly in this sport. Um, and we don't like even we take for granted a lot, especially with super dominant champions, especially with our female champions because Nunez and Shevchenko, they're so far above their peers, but like it, Nunez is going to get Julian the best Julianna Pena shot that Julianna Pena can put forth this weekend. And she has to deal with that every time out from a variety of different people in two weight classes. And yes, we ex- everybody except for me expects Juliana to get killed. And there's a lot of good reasons to expect that, but we should not take for granted the fact that we have that expectation in the first place and just what it means for Amanda Nunes to to do this time in and time out. Because you hear every champion say it. Kamar Usman said it. George St. Pierre said it. Like, it is just mentally exhausting to have to be dialed up every time out against people who have spent their whole lives waiting to fight you or what you represent. And so if Amanda Nunes does go prove the odds maker's rights and just beats the – breaks off Juliana Pena – Again, probably not going to happen. Very likely, that Pena is the new champion. But if I'm wrong, uh, it's still really impressive, even if it doesn't feel as impressive because of how Pena got this title shot and kind of those things. So, props to to Amanda Nunes. Should this happen?
2: Very true. Speaking of that, I mean, speaking of poetic, that was poetic, Jed. I mean, Thanks. that was that was tremendous. Like I'm, I'm feeling it right here. And I also, I said this earlier too, like. Let us enjoy Amanda Nunes while we have her, because we're not going to have her for much longer. We might get two more years out of her. I'd be very happy to get two more years out of her, but she's going to be one of those fighters. Like, I mean, DC is all over the place now, and you could probably say he might be a bigger star now than he was when he was actually a fighter. Demetrius Johnson, another guy when he left the UFC, Amanda Nunes is going to be one of those fighters that we appreciate much more long after she's done fighting, and that's kind of not right with the resume that she's put together. So... We'll see what happens. Manda Nunez trying to, to do the damn thing and add to that resume. So uh, before we get to the peeps, because I'm sure they're going to ask about the low-key yeah. banger, so we'll save that. Uh, Restless main car, we got Jeff Neal versus Santiago Ponzanibio, We got Kai of France welcoming Cody Garbrandt to the flyweight division. And we have Sean O'Malley returning to fight on Paiva. Jed Mishu, outside of the two title fights, what is the best or most interesting main card fight?
3: oh man the whole main card is really good um like Jeff Neal is actually like that's what I I don't know what the UFC has him ranked but those are two we don't have either uh Ponzi scheme or Jeff Neal ranked but they're like those fringe 170ers um that's a banger of a fight just really really good uh you know Um, Sugar Show is coming and Roland Pavia is a a good fighter. So that's interesting. People will tune in and that will probably just be an exciting scrap for however long it lasts. For me, the main card fight, I'm honestly outside of the main event and the soon to be upset of a lifetime. Uh, there's a really good argument to me that like Cody Garbrandt making his flyweight debut (laughs) is the most interesting thing that's going on in this whole card because, I don't you know, – we've talked a lot about Cody Garbrandt and my opinions of him as a fighter, and they're not like the (laughs) highest in the world. Uh, But what you can't deny is this dude, when he is on, is a very good fighter, and he is a guy that people gravitate to. He has some level of charisma that has drawn the UFC to push him as a star and has made him some level of a star in the sport. And dropping down to 125 division opens up a lot of doors because – this division is really, really desperate for somebody to carry the flag. Brandon Moreno is maybe has a good chance to do it. Uh, I like Brandon Moreno a ton, but uh, the way that you would get Brandon Moreno over is you he gets to fight a guy like Cody Garbrandt and beat him. Um, I mean, it's the same could have been said about Davidson Figueredo, which we did before the Moreno thing. So adding a, adding a person to 125 that people care about as opposed to Almost a division full of people that people don't care about is very intriguing. And Kaikara France is is very, he's like exactly the fight that you want for Cody Garbrandt. We're going to see some things. He is a very good fighter. though probably not a championship level fighter, at least not yet. Uh, and so this fight should be fun on its own merits. And if Garbrandt can win, that's going to open up a lot of really fun stuff at 125. So that's my main card fight that I'm looking forward to the most, I think
2: agree casey or is there something else that sticks out to you
1: uh, on the main card oh, definitely definitely cody um yeah if cody cody's a star cody moves a needle cody has that 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 thing that promoters love he just has it and um if if the best version the best bantamweight version of cody garbant shows up at 125 that's just super exciting for the division and um yeah and then someone like brandon moreno um i'm assuming if brandon moreno is still the champ that's what, that's, that's what the UFC needs. That's what the flyweight division needs. That's what the champ needs to become that kind of not just a champ within this bubble, but kind of something bigger than the sport, um, you know, bigger than, bigger than what we think of men's flyweights. Because they're just, they're just, they just don't break out yet outside of the sport. And um, Cody entering the division and doing well, definitely could. So I'm um, definitely excited about that fight. But I have no idea what's going to happen because we have zero idea how Cody will look 10 pounds lighter.
2: So. Yeah, can can Cody Garbrandt like change history? Because we've seen that that cut to twenty five sucks, man. We've seen how that's affected people's durability, their chins. TJ Dillashaw, perfect example, and he was juiced to the gills. So I mean, that's
3: it's. I mean, well, come on. fortunately, Cody Garbrandt has always had a really great chin. So sucking ten extra pounds out is probably not going to adversely. You went, you affect went there. You went there so way. fast. You went there so
1: fast. <laughs> As soon as I was just like, um, yeah, I was like, he just tossed so that one.
2: Question. I, I do have questions, however, I feel like Garbrandt's frame always seemed to merit the question: Can he go to 125? When you looked at TJ, you never really asked that question until he actually brought it up himself maybe i'll go to 25 and fight for the like no one said oh boy imagine what tj dillashaw looks like at flyweight no no one's ever said that however the conversation about cody going to flyweight has been there for a long time so i do have some questions how can he handle it if he gets if he gets caught how will he handle that he seemed to do well when rob font hit him but again kind of going back to the tj thing TJ got bolted by Henry Cejudo real fast at 125, but when he fought Corey Sandhagen, he took some big shots to the face, knees, kicks, punches, and he ate them all. And it seemed like 35 is a better spot for him.
1: So I like that. And, and, I do want to see and good matchmaking on the UFC. I think Kai. I think Kai's the perfect, uh, the perfect, perfect 25er, the uh, kind of uh, like, like you say. I, I never believe Kai's going to fight for a title, but I think he's that kind of that fringe top 10, top 15 guy. So this works. Yeah. And Kai's also very
2: durable. He can yeah. take a shot and come back. We just saw it in his last fight. I am interested to see what this Sean O'Malley Holly on Paiva fight looks like cuz I think Holly on Paiva is a lot better than people are giving him credit for. I think he's a lot better than the odds makers are giving him credit for. The guy's a firefighter. Like not not like he goes into houses and like, <laughs> like puts <Stipe>. fires out <laughs> like Stepe, but I mean like he likes the chaos. He actually really likes it. Oops. He he enjoys it. He he thrives off of it. That contender series fight he had was phenomenal it's super fun it's one of the best contender series fights ever this guy thrives on that and he's super durable and he he's good on the ground and he's better as the fight goes on and he can beat up those legs which we've seen over the past in the past that's kind of a kryptonite for Sean O'Malley I expect Sean O'Malley to win this fight I'm picking him to win this fight but I think he's gonna get tested I actually really like the matchmaking I saw some people complaining about it because you know they're they're not giving him top ten guys, and I think the O'Malley story about how he's handling his handling his career has been one of the really good yet underrated stories of the year. I like the way he's handling his career, and I think this is a perfect fight for him. And you get a little bit of a storyline because Sean O'Malley and Kyler Phillips are teammates. Hollyon paiva has got that win over Kyler Phillips. I think it's a good fight. I think it's a great test, and Paiva's just outside the top fifteen, so I like it, and I'm I'm, I'm actually very intrigued about it. What happens if this thing goes deep? Well, Will O'Malley be able to fight the fire? Because Paiva will be there. Paiva will be there throwing, throwing them bolos at Sean O'Malley. He's just not a very good starter, as you saw in the Kyler Phillips fight. So that's a good one.
1: Yeah, I feel Sean O'Malley is a good starter. So that's his – I would – yeah, so it's gonna he's going to start out really tough hot. It's, yeah.
3: Huh? It's a tough combination. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got this
2: not-so-fast starter against a very fast <laughs> yeah. starter. Uh, we did lose a fight, unfortunately. Uh, Matt Schnell – Medical issues, uh not cleared by the commission after he made weight. Uh and then Alex Perez at the very end didn't make weight at all. And we found out after that the fight's off. So we move ahead with 14 fights. I don't know if that changes the start time. I assume that it will, but we'll see what happens. Uh because we had fifteen yeah. fights. Yeah, probably I go to six o'clock Eastern time instead of five thirty the way it was scheduled. So uh hmm. we shall see what happens. Let us go to the peeps. Yeah. And uh see what they Before have to the
1: say. Peeps, I just, I always, I totally forgot that Leon Edwards versus Jorge Masvidal was supposed to be on this card. I just kind of wonder how different this this week would have felt with that fight on the card. I don't know. It's just, um, I, it just, I feel. How long ago was that fight drop out? Like only like a month ago. It just, but it just feels like I can't, mm-hmm. I can't remember. Like,
3: yeah, like four or five weeks, something like
1: that. Yeah, like this, this fight week when it just felt so much different with them two on the card. But um, yeah, interesting. To the peeps, to the peeps. How many cards? Wait, we. But last week, didn't they lose two fights the day of due to COVID things? Definitely lost. Lost one. Lost one. I think we lost two fights in the week. Yeah. So just everyone cross your fingers, wish good luck because they are in Vegas and you know.
3: (laughs) I, I don't know. I'm, some of these could go away. 14 is still a lot of fights. Yeah. I got things to do, 14 guys. is a lot of fights. <laughs> uh,
2: I don't necessarily uh, mind it with pay-per-views because we're going to watch – us. I mean the pay per view start at yeah. 10 and we're going to watch yeah. five fights after 10 o'clock anyways. So it doesn't really matter on the pay-per-views. But the fight nights, boy, 15 fight fight nights that start at like 7 p.m. Eastern, those are rough
1: nights. They just uh, are. Sorry. Here we go. Let's go some questions. Oops. Let me get that a little bigger. The
2: world, Like, how much better would, would a UFC world be if we didn't have cards every Saturday? We sprinkled in a Wednesday card once yes, in a while with, like, seven fights. Like, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Uh, Joshua Carey, if there's no finish in Charles versus Dustin, do we get a fight of the year contender or a one-sided blowout? What do you think, Jen? If there's no finish here, is this going to be a one-sided decision for Dustin or are we going to be talking about this fight in a couple of weeks when we're doing our awards?
3: I, I think it's just one way either way. I, you know, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Totally could be. But this sort of tacks back to what I already said about Charles Oliveira. I don't see how this fight is a back and forth competitive. I can see one man having the upper hand and the table's turning, but it's not going to go back. It, it This is either just going to be one guy is able to, you know, in Charles Oliveira's stance, he can get takedowns a bunch, and then that's just the fight. He gets takedowns and sits. Or he can't, and then he just kind of gets chewed up on the feet. Maybe, you know, he gets takedowns and then Poirier hurts him. But if that's the case, I don't think Oliver is going to survive if the momentum shifts. So I, this isn't going to be a back and forth as far as I can tell, and that's usually what you need for a fight of the year. Um, it could just be a decently competitive fight where, you know, Poirier edges out every round or wins rounds convincingly, but those aren't ever fight of the year contenders either. Those are just well-regarded title fights. So, uh, I think it's probably one-way traffic either way, and maybe, maybe you get like a comeback, which probably isn't a fight of the year kind of candidate.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I it's just, yeah, yeah. Got it. it's one-way traffic. This feels like a one-way traffic type fight. If it if it goes to the decision, I will slightly disagree,
2: just because I. But I, I don't think it's... This is going to be like a Sesame Street back and forth. It's going to be like, back, forth. Like, is going to win the first half of the fight, and then is going to win the second half of the fight, and Poirier will win the decision. But it'll be fun. It'll see... Oliveira will have his moments. We're going to go into the third round, maybe even the fourth thinking like, man, is Oliveira up 3 nothing right now? Is it 2-1? to one? But Poirier will have the momentum heading into the fourth round. That's the way I see it. I think this is more of a... Of a battle of wills, but yet not in a, a left way phone booth a la Fight Circus. That's too uh, bad. I think Oliveira wins wins early. This will be more Usman Covington esque, in my opinion, um, where one fighter wins the first half and one fighter wins the second half. Uh, I think it's to be similar to that, but play out a little bit differently stylistically. That's the way I see it. But I could be wrong. Uh, Joseph Boza is Juliana Pena playing with house money. I think there would be pressure on Amanda. She could tie Rhonda for most defenses at six. She hasn't defended her 135 pound title in two years. I don't know if we are we playing. Is this a house money fight, Casey? Like, do you do you look at this as a house money
1: fight? No, uh, I, th- I think both fighters have a lot to lose in this fight. Uh, I mean, in a sense, house money where Julia Pena shouldn't be here, I guess, but she earned her spot. So I, I no, I just, I just, I. I understand what they're going with, but I kind of disagree with it.
2: Yeah, like to me, Jed, house money, and Chris Curtis defined this perfectly, him fighting Brennan Allen at 185 as a welterweight in the second UFC fight when it took him so long to get to the UFC, that's house money. Him fighting any middleweight fight at this point and just being in the UFC is house money. That's why he doesn't need to go back to 70. He's playing with house money right now. He keeps betting on himself and he's winning. That's his example of house money. Do you feel like... Juliana's in that position heading into a title fight where, no matter what happens, it's all good because she's playing with house money.
3: No, because there are consequences if she loses. Um, I I think that you know all of the pressure is on Amanda here because no one anticipates Juliana to win, etc. But house money implies that you are—it's a free roll, right? Like there is nothing for you to lose, and if if Pena loses, outside of losing brain cells, which very possible she's going to lose a lot of those. Uh, she is also just going to lose her shot at the title. Like she's not getting one back unless she puts together like a real good run. And she hasn't shown us in her career that she can do that. So she has like this is probably her one shot at the belt. So she definitely has something to lose here.
1: And I, I want to just humanize Julia Pena for a moment. Like the house money. Uh, she said in a previous interview probably like a month ago or so. I think it was in Houston. She came as a guest fighter. And um, I think that was once the first fight he got canceled, and I I just asked her would have been like what is, financially that had to suck, and she was like yeah that sucked. I had, I paid I paid for a whole camp. I flew out partners. Like I spent she, I spent I spent a shitload of money. He's like I'm a, uh, she's not a single mom, but no she uh, she, she raises a child, and she's like. I have I have daycare to pay for. I'm I I have to you know I had nighttime training sessions so my kid could be there because I couldn't afford a babysitter. It was actually kind of sad that she's fighting for the in the UFC in a main you no know, co main event at pay per view and she's like I couldn't afford babysitters. So had to bring my kid to the gym? So it is not house money. She 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 literally is putting her own money to try to win this fight. So and if, of course if she loses, there's no rematch unless it's a, somehow a competitive fight. If she gets bolted you know somehow jeez, somehow <laughs> some, some weird way um no no julia pena has has i would say even more to lose than amanda nunist honestly and since that she's fight camps cost a lot of money and as a challenger you aren't getting that pay-per-view cut you're just making your money so um yeah thank you joseph
2: uh, BG two sixteen low key there we do I knew it was coming yeah. low key banger of the night Pedro versus Dom Cruz if Cruz beats Munoz maybe just maybe do Mun uh, Cruz versus Aldo time works perfect for both guys give and give time for the one thirty five unification bout um, I mean it's Aldo versus Dillashaw or and if Dillashaw says no Aldo fights for the title in his next fight that's the way I see it uh, Aldo versus Cruz is cool but if Aldo fights Dillashaw and loses you could still do that fight. Uh, but the but the most important thing in this question, Jed Machu, low key banger.
3: Dude, there aren't a lot of good ones. Also, this is definitely not a low key banger. Um, no. Outside of the fact that there's a former champion in it, um, Dominic Cruz isn't in banger fights. So I like Pedro Munoz. I think he's gonna beat him. But that's not a low key banger. Um, and honestly, this card's pretty tough for me to pick a low key banger. I did did a little bit of looking, and I think the best answer – because I know we're going to go to Casey next, and so I don't want to take his Ryan Hall hill. (laughs) That's that's Casey. Casey owns that hill, and I'm not going to try and encroach on that. Um, So I will go – I'm not going to go for the Beefy Boys because Augusta (laughs) Sakai is also just not that fun to watch. Even the Tai Tuivasa is usually pretty fun. (laughs) Um, But give me the ESPN Plus – whatever the the not early prelim the regular prelim opener jordan wright versus bruno silva um jordan wright is he has never not had a stoppage in his career he is 12 and 1 he has uh won and lost by knockout or or a couple submissions sprinkled in there um since the dude has made it to the ufc last year I think maybe it was 2019 um you know he got knocked out by uh Joaquin Buckley but he's got a couple of good stoppages in there and Bruno Silva is a uh, he's who is he champion for somebody M1 M1 M1, M1. Yeah. M1 yeah. yeah M1 middleweight champion came to the UFC um has had two very good wins his last time out was uh performance of the night over Andrew Sanchez got got the rare standing TKO Usually don't see that happen a lot in MMA. Um, and then his other one was, uh, earlier this year, pretty dominant stoppage over Wellington Thurman. Um, one of the best names in the sport, by the way. Uh, and so these two dudes are both very competent and good at fighting, uh, and they are both much more leaning towards action-packed fights, throwing them bolos, getting, getting people out of there, or going out on their shields. So that's my low-key banger.
2: If you missed the... Uh the weigh-in show casey did not go with ryan hall
1: (laughs) what did you go with and are you sticking well i I didn't go with ryan hall because first that's not low-key i mean the ufc
0: (laughs) they purposely
1: they purposely put that so far down the card because they need to make sure everyone you know all these ryan hall fans they you know renew their espn plus subscription so that's smart. that's That's just that's that's just business that's just that's why they
3: opened with jillian robertson versus for chili huh really got to get the early birds in
1: yeah yeah you know you know it goes you know business finances you know dividends wall street you know Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) low-key banger uh is the fight i actually i I talked about this on the Wayne show but the fight i hate and love um aaron blanchville versus miranda maverick uh just two top top notch um flyweight prospects uh, I believe both of them are going to be I think they're both under 25 I think Aaron Blanchell's like 12 or something I don't know she's like super I think the youngest fighter on the card um, Aaron Blanchfield. she looked great in her UFC debut much more well-rounded than I saw her in Invicta uh, but I believe it's a little too early for her to fight Miranda Maverick who I think is getting closer to her prime are either of these women going to beat Valentina? Doubtful but I do believe both of them will eventually be In title contender fights so um this is an awesome fight very early on the card so um that's my low key banger but every every fight's awesome it looks super fun but back to this actual comment about Dominic Cruz if TJ Dillashaw isn't ready and Dominic Cruz steamrolls Pedro Munoz which I doubt but if he does man I, I hope we see Aldo Cruz I just hope we see it it doesn't seem like jose auto really cares for that much he's not like he doesn't care about legends fighting legends because he doesn't i don't think he just he doesn't see it the same way we see it but um i just hope we get to see auto versus Cruz at some point just because i never thought we would because i thought auto would go up to 45 i mean sorry go up to 55 but um now there's a possibility but um let's just see if it hap- i doubt what will happen, but it'd be a cool fight if it happens at some point i'll go i mean i think more the more idea more. yeah
3: go ahead jen Wait, I, I think that that if if Cruz wins, that's the fight you probably should make. Uh, I know that Dillashaw is the fight that makes the most sense, and I'm cool with that. Um, it's hard for me to feel great about Jose Aldo's chances in that fight because I just I have a terrible, terrible fear of him Against Dillashaw? Losing.
1: Aldo Dillashaw? Yeah. yeah.
3: I, I mean, I think the fight is really good, but I Aldo's chin is definitely not what it once was, and Dillashaw still hits really hard. He's tricky. I think it's a really good fight, but I think that that has a very strong chance of ending the Jose Aldo uh, happy run that we're on right now and I want that I want this train ride to last forever um, because Jose Aldo is one of <laughs> for my money he's probably the second greatest fighter of all time uh, and so I want him I want only good things to happen to him And if, if Dillashaw who should rightfully wait for a title shot, say, I'm not going to fight Jose Aldo. I deserve a title shot. I think that's fair if he does it. But if that's the case, you've got Dillashaw and Aldo waiting for a title shot and you still have to get Jan and Aljo in there. That's just a lot of backup. Somebody's going to need to fight. And I think doing Aldo versus Cruz is like on the money because Aldo will literally kick the leg off of Dominic Cruz and, that would make me happy in my soul <laughs> and it would give him another win <laughs> to fight the eventual weight champion. Cause if, if he tries to wait for a title shot and Jan beats Aljo, I don't think that he gets another one with just two wins or maybe, is he had three since then. I think it's just a two. Three wins. Oh, no, so three. Was That's right. Font was a third. Um, so I still think he probably needs another one given how bad he sort of lost to Jan that first time. And Cruz would be, you know, it's a good fight. I think that's a good fight if, if they were to do it. I just don't think it's likely to happen.
2: Yeah, agreed. Um, for me, I mean, I think Josh Emmett versus Danny Gay is one of the best match fights on the entire card. Uh, I don't think that's low-key, so I'll go with Randy Costa versus Tony Kelly just because you got, two, you got a very talented guy in Randy Costa. I feel like his ceiling is super-duper high, um, but Tony Kelly's got that dog in him, the kind of dog that we need to see Randy Costa sort of overcome. Cause we've seen Randy Costa, even in the Adrian Giannis fight, that was a tremendous first round from Randy Costa. Like he is a great round and a half fighter, like really dangerous round and a half fighter, but he is one of those guys that just goes for it. And if he can't get you out of there, you start to question it a little bit. Like, damn it. Like what the hell, man? like, why can't I get this dude out of here? And I think Tony Kelly's the right fighter to see where Randy Costa is at in his career. Like, is this guy someone who could be in the top 30, top 25? I feel like talent is there, but we got to see if he can go 15 minutes. We got to see if he can get midway through the fight and if he can keep that pace. If he can, I think we answer some questions. I don't think we're going to see Randy Costa fighting for any titles anytime soon, but it could be a very serviceable piece. In this 135 pound division in terms of just exciting fights uh but he's got to be able to, to go the distance a little bit more so i like there's, that fight and
3: tony kelly can there's a big career to be made in mma by just being a dude who's fun like chris lytle was just a, a fun damn fighter and people remember him very fondly and not everyone yep. can challenge for titles so if you're not going to win world championships or fight for him be fun as hell and randy costa is fun as hell
2: he is. Absolutely. Uh, do we have anything else? I yeah. guess that's a no. They're yeah, playing no. us off. They're playing us off. We've got, um, we've got an
1: hour talking about the amazing 269 wow. pay-per-view.
2: <laughs> With Jed here, I mean, it just went yeah. by so quickly. Yeah, yeah, just, it was like – Oh, no.
1: 10, it, 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 there was started. a question we got. Um, people were asking Jed, what's in the cage? Who's in the cage?
3: Oh, uh, that's not me. That's I'm, me. I'm dog <laughs> That's uh that's the crate for one of the dogs that I'm I'm sitting on this weekend. Right.
1: What's the dog's name? There, there you go.
3: Pippin running around. That one is Pippin, uh, the other one is Jordan. My friend is from <laughs> Chicago, if you couldn't guess.
2: Uh, does he have another dog named Cartwright Longley? <laughs>
3: I don't think, I don't think Cartwright's the next to one up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like... Luke Longley.
1: Wow, we're going deep
2: <laughs> in the roster. Horse Are you Craig. I, he's I, got a cat I, named
3: I always chose. I, I
1: chose Horace Grant. NBA jams. I did. I, did you? I okay. <laughs> I
3: don't know why. You're open
2: for Jordan. You're like, God oh, damn it. Who the hell is this I guy? Horace Grant. Right. Yeah, the goggles. Hey, the goggles. It's
3: the X-backs, man. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right. Uh, press conference. Not press conference. Uh, ceremonial weigh-ins coming up in a couple of hours. Live here on MMA Fighting, uh, and we got the World MMA Awards coming up tonight too on ESPN oh, Plus and. We'll see what happens. We'll have okay, you I covered either way if you can't watch it.
3: Uh, I think I asked this earlier, very quickly. How did you all think um, Cody looked on the scale?
1: They're good. Yeah, I thought, he looked I okay. I mean, I mean, I mean, he he put his you know mean face on, you know. So we only see them for forty-five seconds. So yeah. you just got to fake it for forty-five seconds. So he looked, but he looked better than most fighters cutting to twenty-five. He looked better than that... was horrified. Yeah. He looked yeah, better than, the that, yeah, looked better than
3: Axe Perez. I was missing something because I thought he looked like, like this was a fine weight class form. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He yeah. looked good. He answered... That was the first question we had, but we'll have lots of questions tomorrow from you guys. People's Pre-Fight Show. Not sure what time, but we'll keep you posted. So for Jed, for Casey, I am Mike Hack. Have a great rest of the day. We'll see you at the Ceremonial Way-Ins a little bit later on.
0: You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.